You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 3800 Marlton Pike, Pensacon, New Jersey. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. Let me, let me just lay the foundation for us here. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, that's like our bodies is the metaphor here, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Paul Tillich said, Language has created the word loneliness to express the pain of being alone. And it has created the word solitude to express the glory of being alone. As we've been studying 2 Corinthians 5, with all this talk of new creation we've been doing for the past few weeks, new humanity, new tents, I'm completely mesmerized by this idea that there's a doubleness to our reality. Here in this quote, Paul Tillich gets at something I hope mesmerizes you at least a little bit. He puts it so succinctly, it's so so clear. The exact same circumstances of being alone can be experienced in very different ways. Isn't that good news? Isn't it just such good news that there's more than one way to experience any circumstance, your circumstance right now? Isn't it good news that you're not trapped by what's happening around you? that you're able to see more than what you're seeing. It's good news that there's more, even if we're not quite sure where it is. Even if we're not quite sure where to look. Just the possibility that something could change, even if nothing changes. That you could be new, even if the world is the same. Even if your family's the same, even if your job or your lack of a job is the same, there's another way to see the world. And we've been, we've been saying, and and I truly believe this, that that's the new creation happening. And, and the new creation can happen to us if we let it. We let it happen to us. If we open our eyes to new possibilities, if we open our minds to more imagination, if we open our hearts to the love of Christ, 
that compels us, it makes a big difference. I went walking out in our neighborhood again, uh, this practice of trying to see something new, setting an intention, going to the same place to see something new. Uh, and of course I did. I went right out to our Route 130 intersection, 130 Marlton Pike right over there, and I saw something. This sign was giving me a message. It says, Cada colonia tiene su bosque. It was right there at the bus stop. You, you, you probably drive by it every time you come here. It says, each neighborhood has its forest. Descubre el bosque. Discover the forest. Apparently, it's an ad for the U.S. Forest Service. They have this um, thing online that you can go and find the closest place where there's forest. <laughs> See that? That's where we are. You can, the closest one is that dot right above it. That's the Palmyra Nature Cove. Has anyone been there? Yes. Totally worth it. Walk along the beach. Yes. Don't just go to the nature center. It's amazing. But I didn't need to go to Palmyra Nature Cove because I was right here in my colonia, in my neighborhood. And right down from the slide, you see the bus stop up there? It's in the top by that light post. And then right here, I found a bush and a tree. I found a forest. <laughs> but I really saw it. I really saw it. I, said, I, I didn't know what the ad was for. I just knew that I was supposed to go discover a forest. I listened to it. And I found this forest here. And I, I imagined myself as a tiny little explorer walking underneath that giant, thick canopy of bush. That would be an amazing forest. And I think I've seen a bird in there, you know. I, th I think there have been a bird in that bush, at least a sparrow. It's happened right there in the Dunkin' Donuts parking lot. I found my forest. Why not? You see that shift in vision? Uh, I went looking for something new, and I found a forest in the Dunkin' Donuts parking lot. Uh, the, the parking lot didn't change, but the sign asked me to find a forest, and I went and found one. So back to my opening quote. Um, we can bring this ability to shift, this good news that we can shift our perspective to all kinds of things. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.16 that we no longer consider anyone from a worldly perspective. And there are all kinds of applications for this that we've been working with. Um, but the pastors were thinking this week about loneliness and solitude, and Casey already has us considering this with Henry Nowen, who's like the expert on this shift from loneliness to solitude. Um, so remember that, I'll go back to the quote and read it again. Language has created the word loneliness to express the pain of being alone, and it's created the word solitude to express the glory of being alone. There's a doubleness to our experience. And I think we need to talk about loneliness because it's such a problem for so many people. The pain of being alone seems to be winning. I don't know how many of us are often experiencing the glory of being alone. It seems like being alone is the worst thing possible. You, you can give your sociological two cents for why that is later, uh, but I think it has something to do with technology it's given us this illusion of connection without any of the real soul of it. We're always alone, but we're never alone. We're always connected, but not really connected, not actually intimate. Uh, we're, we're consuming and reacting, but we aren't relating. 
we know a lot about each other, but the data doesn't seem to be enough. So Henry Nouwen, this Dutch Catholic uh, priest and writer, said this. When we enter into solitude to be with God alone, we quickly discover how dependent we are. Without the many distractions of our daily lives, we feel anxious and tense. When nobody speaks to us, calls on us, or needs our help, I might add for the 21st century, or likes our stuff with a button, we start feeling like nobodies. Then we begin wondering whether we are useful, valuable, and significant. Our tendency is to leave this fearful solitude quickly and get busy again to reassure ourselves that we are somebodies. But that is a temptation because what makes us somebodies is not other people's responses to us, but God's eternal love for us. To claim the truth of ourselves, we have to cling to our God in solitude as to one who makes us who we are. He's getting at the glory of being alone there. Can you see this contrast that he's working with, the shift from the pain to the glory? It's not just a force of will. It's a turning to the somebody who makes you a somebody. Not to everything else, not to everyone else, especially not to everyone else. It's Valentine's Day weekend, y'all. We're supposed to be finding our meaning from some lover. That, that's the, the culture's major story for today. But we have a lover who loves us eternally and won't let us down. I want to trust him. I want to be able to be with him alone and get through the tension of that discomfort so that I can get to a place where I know that I am loved. Anita had us talking about this a little bit. She wrote a poem calling us to this time alone with God, especially in nature. Uh, and she wrote, she wrote a poem that she's here to read out loud for us. Here it is on the screen. You can follow along. Friends, an invitation. We are trapped. The world has our attention, and we have fallen prey to its lies about our own souls. Get busy. Work for God, for the good, read the good book, and all the dozens of words written about that book. Pray in earnestness, with words, with kneeling, and with a script of thanksgiving. But I tell you, the soul needs your full attention once in a while. A Sabbath date would be ideal, but do not delay the call of the wild, maybe to the Cooper Riverside or the Schuylkill Banks. A family of trees will do just fine. Go there and enter. The time is anointed for your arriving, for your breathing in the nature. Your nature deciding to lean into the simplicity of her. She has been preparing to reveal glory back to you. Through Christ, may you see more clearly without the fog. May you hear more distinctly without the chatter. Leave behind all the things you carry. Come empty. Come open. Come curious. Just come alone, expecting the friend 
to reveal something good. Thank you so much for that, Anita. I love your invitation. It calls us away from the distraction of the world, the constant need for attention and reassurance that we matter from these lesser sources the world provides. I'm not totally negating them. They feel good and that's fine. They're just not enough. But we're taught that they're enough. We're taught to keep cycling through, looking through, looking through, finding and swiping left and right, liking, loving. It's obvious that we're desperate for this. It's so obvious that the whole world is desperate for this connection. But we don't know where it's, where it's going to come from. It's obvious that, that people need a better way through that wilderness. We all know the wasteland. What's God going to do and how can we trust him to do it? All this supposed connection is yielding more loneliness. It doesn't satisfy. Again, I don't think I have to convince you of this. I think you know. So how about we try a new perspective? How about we stop looking for someone to tell us we matter? We won't find it very often, this affirmation of our personhood. Occasionally someone might connect with you. An intimate friend might tell you the thing you really need to hear, and then I'm, then I'm thinking they're an instrument of God. But it doesn't happen that often. Not even when we create these cells for it to happen. It's this rare gift when, when, when you really connect with another human being. Um, and we need more than, than what they can offer. And I know this because I'm a regular human being that loves you. I love all of you. And I don't pay enough attention to you. Like, I don't pay enough attention to you a lot. Even, even though it's my job to do so. I know that I fail. And here's more proof. I also am a human being, and I have intimate relationships that don't satisfy me. Not my relationship with my spouse, not the relationship I had with my parents when I was a kid. I need more. I told you I didn't have to prove it to you, but I'm trying to prove it to you. Uh, I, I think that our own experience will, the limitations that we're aware of, if we're honest, will know this. And once we know, Ordinary moments can be transformed because we start going to the riverside and we start making space for God. And then these connections get amplified and, and, and we are, the, the connection uh, has its true source. All of the good that you get in these relationships now isn't, isn't paltry. We don't have to judge it for how good it tastes or how much it makes me feel the feels. We can receive it for for what it is, and, and, and even if it's just a trip, we can be, oh, that was delicious, because we know that we're satisfied. We're not trying to, to feed our, our survival, that we, we need this affirmation. We have that from God. So these ordinary moments get transformed. Just some ideas about how these moments get transformed. If you create some time for solitude, solitude starts to bleed into your life then. It's like a it's like a base layer of solitude, and then the little bits of it can happen. On your way to work, you turn off the radio, solitude's happening. On the bus, just infinite solitude on the bus, even, even with the people. You can love them. Um, uh, even, how about when your computer stalls and it's doing the spinny thing? You know, what if that was just a sign to go back to your solitude? Just go back to the breath that Casey was having us do. We, we need this this connection and, and we're laying down with 
moments like these, these, this call that Anita has for us. The great thing about this practice is it, it transforms your connection to other people. You can, you can love better if you're loved best. So I have a story about that that I want to tell almost in conclusion. I think I just have a little bit to say after this little story, and it has a soundtrack. So cue the music. This is my experience on Valentine's Day when I was in love with everyone in the entire world, especially the people in the Qdoba in the Ellisburg Shopping Center in Cherry Hill. <laughs> it was buy one, get one free on Valentine's Day. I didn't know this. You had to kiss someone to get the free burrito. They let me kiss my phone. A picture, a picture of Gwyneth. I came to eat a burrito and work on this message. I don't know why I do these things, but it was perfect because I had Ludovico and Audi in my earbuds. That's who you're hearing right now. Freaking genius. And, and this music that I like makes everything a nostalgic montage in a movie and I'm kind of having like a cinematic experience and it's more than just the music I mean it's cinematic because this music is playing and my life has a soundtrack now but also there's something happening inside me that's like the cinematic climax of a movie when you're just ready to cry for joy just because they got you Except it's happening like for the whole time I'm at Qdoba. The song changes and I'm still, I'm still loving these people. I'm sitting at the bar because there's a plug and the bar has another side. And that means that I'm very close to a group of South Asian boys ranging from age 8 to about 12. And they are earnestly looking at their Pokemon cards and, and talking about them. And, and like kind of leaning on each other and comparing and just so into the Pokemon. And I love them so much. I love the, the Girl Scout troop who's selling cookies right there in the dining room. Mom's the manager. I get the whole family story just by watching them and loving them. I, can't, I wanted to scoop this little one up She's, as she's unconsciously dancing, waiting for the next pitch with her little sign that says, want to buy a cookie. Bobbly, spring-loaded stars on her headband. I love her. I love when, even when the, the Girl Scouts leave, Big Sister stays behind. She's about 12 or 13. And mom is giving her tasks to do. Mom, the manager of the Kidoba, is giving her some lessons at how to do good work. And she's refilling the, the paper, and she can't quite reach the extra large lids to, to fit them in there. But she tries. She doesn't whine and ask for help. She tries. And she's wiping all the tables down with a rag. I love her. And I love how gentle mom is to come and help her and show her how to, how to do what she needs to do. I love the young mom pregnant with her third who came in on a date with her husband 
and the first two kids along for the ride. It's 2.30 on Valentine's Day, and they're making it work, laughing at each other, and their one-year-old covered in beans. I love everyone in this Qdoba. I love in the entire world. I love the two, count them, two women who are sitting back to back wearing horn-rimmed glasses. I love the faces of the excited customers as they walk in the door and eye up the menu because they're about to splurge on a $10 burrito and it's going to be worth it. I love the moment after the rush and everything is cleaned up, the counters are wiped down and all the bins are reloaded and the, the, the two employees behind the counter are just laughing and joking with each other and she throws a rag at him. Maybe it's flirting, maybe it's not. I love the children they're going to have someday. <laughs> My heart is so full of love for the people in Kadoba, and I think it wells up from this spring of love that is planted in me, this deposit of the Holy Spirit that has been guaranteed. <laughs> I felt it. I could spend that money on all the people in the Kadoba. And the music fades. I was revisiting my belovedness, my somebodyness, as I sat there at the bar for hours at the Kadoba. I experienced the people, maybe a little bit like God experiences them. Maybe I had some God vision for these people. It was kind of extraordinary. It was glorious. It was the glory of being alone. I was with them and I brought my solitude to them. Uh, they, I, maybe they were blessed by my spiritual energy, but I was certainly blessed by theirs. The quiet moments I observed might not even survive in their memories, but especially because I had the experience and then I wrote it down and then I told it to you, I don't know if I'll ever forget it. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.